Welcome to another episode of Fight the Burnout. Today we have another special guest, as usual. Uh, we have um, Dr. Mitchell Yas. I think I pronounced I pronounced that right. Yep. Uh, and he has got a. He's going to talk to us today about um, pain, um, mostly physical pain, uh, and how that relates to us burning out, and how you can use his method to, and even talk with him if uh, if you so choose in the future to actually overcome this pain because you know i can relate to it i've got from my background lots of injuries and stuff some that still stick around and when they're really painful it does bring us down so you know they all relate whether it be emotional physical um uh, or mental um pain can cause us to to go into that burnout so as i like to do uh mitch is let you introduce yourself tell us a little bit about yourself your background how you ended up here and also any experiences that you've had with with burnout as such as well so i'm dr mitchell yas and i developed a method to properly diagnose and treat the cause of pain and other symptoms and the story's kind of a bit i think somewhat interesting for a um and it does relate a little to burnout. My first job, I was actually a project manager in construction. I have a bachelor's degree from the University of Florida. And um, for five years, I was a project manager. And kind of exactly what you're describing happened. I eventually, after the five years, felt burnt out. I wasn't getting satisfaction from the job. It became a job that you do just for making money. And for anyone who has that kind of experience, you, you know, you, at some point, all the money in the world, it, it just doesn't work for you anymore. You just don't want to get up. You don't want to go to the job and you just can't wait the moment you get there to leave. Yeah. So I finally decided I took responsibility and said, I'm going to quit. And I found out about this thing called physical therapy and I needed some prerequisites. So I got the prerequisites, got into school and fairly quickly in the school, I recognized that what was being taught about the issue of pain just wasn't really logical. The grand promotion that you could identify the cause of pain through diagnostic testing, primarily MRIs, um, just wasn't matching up. And the reason it wasn't matching up was because, I'll give you an example. Let's say that someone's having pain in the knee region and they get a diagnosis of a meniscal tear, the cartilage that sits between the knee, uh, between the thigh bone and lower leg bone. Well, if that were to cause pain, that should cause pain at the space between the thigh bone and lower leg bone. I, being who I am, being the inquisitive person I was, would actually say to the person, where's your pain? And they would point to a spot typically that was two or three inches away from that joint line. And so you can't, in good conscience, to say, well, you don't have the pain where it should be, so I'm just going to go ahead and treat the meniscus. And so I started trying to understand what was the tissue creating the pain, yeah. And amazingly, in 98% of cases, it turned out that the tissue creating people's pain was muscle. Yeah. So whether it was the muscle itself, whether you had pain, let's say, around your kneecap, well, you would immediately be told you have arthritis. Well, it turns out that the kneecap position is based on its attachment to the front thigh muscle. Yep. The quad. So if the quad is shortened because it's stronger than your hamstring, it will pull excessively on the kneecap causing you to have excessive compression when you bend your knee and you have pain at the joint. Yeah. Muscles actually refer symptoms. Most people don't know that. So the, the famous story of laying on your side when you sleep 
and ending up having numbness in your hands, that's from not the cervical nerve roots in the spine. That's your rotator cuff. The infraspinatus aspect has strained. And as your shoulder rolls forward because you're laying that way, it overstretches, it irritates it, and causes the symptom to go to your hands. So even that's muscle. And finally, you could have muscles impinge on nerves. Sciatica. Sciatica. Sciatica is the muscle in the butt called the piriformis impinging on the sciatic nerve. So you have a muscular cause creating neurological symptoms. Combine those four types. You have 98% of the world's population's pain coming from muscle. So that process I kind of learned towards the end of school and into my beginnings as a practitioner a year and a half after I started. I opened my own facility, which then I wrote a few books and did a PBS special and wrote to some international magazines. And I started getting contacted from all over the world. And it was quite remarkable that regardless of the country the person came from, the story was always the same. They always had the same story. I have pain. I try to seek care. I find a structural variation. They treat it. It doesn't work. And I'm left in pain, struggling. And you brought up the point before, and this is which is the most disheartening part of this whole thing. Pain's one thing. And most people in a short term can deal with having some pain. But what happens when you keep trying to have the pain resolved and you can't? All of a sudden, you start becoming disillusioned. You start becoming nervous, anxious, frustrated. And if it goes on long enough, you start becoming hopeless and oftentimes quite scary, suicidal. And I dealt with all of these in the 28 years I've been doing this. So... You know, burnout isn't what happens when your pain begins. Burnout is what happens when it can't be resolved and you start coming to this very scary premise. This may be the rest of my life. And that's the part where it's quite remarkable, regardless of the place I treat head to toe. I always incorporate some aspect in my treatments of trying to understand where the person is in terms of their thought process about their pain. How do they feel it is? How does it impact their life? What is their sense that it will eventually be overcome? And I always incorporate some aspect of my treatment to that because if you don't get them to believe that this terrible thing, this process they've gone through can be ended, they're really going to be hesitant to put all their effort into what I'm asking Mm -hmm. them to do to resolve the physical aspect of their pain. You really need to get the physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual aspects all working together. And I've recognized that from all the, like I said, the suicidal people I've worked with. And um, I think it's critical. And I think it kind of is what makes me somewhat unique as a practitioner of someone treating pain because I really see the person as a whole person. Mm. And just if you want a personal aspect of the story. So it's very hard to work with suicidal people. It's very scary for someone to walk up to you and say, I am going to put a bullet in my head tomorrow. If you don't fix my pain, you are my last resort. I've tried everything else and you're it. A lot of pressure. It really sucks you in. It, It causes a massive level of focus aggressiveness and you kind of become part of the story well that took its toll on me and eventually i became disassociated with my wife my daughter for Mm -hmm. almost a decade and eventually the sad story is is that she kicked me out and i got divorced from it and i kind of lost my way with my daughter and from that 
I found enlightenment. And the enlightenment kind of made me recognize that I am an individual person and this thing that I do is an entity onto itself. I am not the YAS method. The YAS method is something that works to diagnose and treat people. I am a human being who just wants to experience love, be happy and joyful. Mm. And as I was able to separate myself, I started to recognize that I need to simply live in the moment and relish every single thing that I do. And so something as simple as sitting in the morning and drinking coffee outside, looking at trees and clouds and things like that, spending time with my daughter, doing a podcast with you, helping someone be out of pain, doing my own workout. It doesn't really matter what I'm doing. I am so fully engaged in the moment and I, I have been able to block the idea of having thought when I'm doing whatever I'm doing, that it is just so allowed me to relish life and mm. that is from outside the issue of pain that is my wish for every person that i could come in contact with if you can find enlightenment you are going to have a very happy life do you do you believe finding that enlightenment can also help with reducing the you know with help with reducing the time that you're in that pain while you're getting treatment there's no doubt about it that's partly why i try to utilize that as an aspect i, I you know stress People always talk about, oh, you got to work out, you got to exercise. I'm not saying that's not important. Oh, you got to eat right. I'm not saying that's not important. You don't resolve stress, you're going to die. You're going to die. Stress kills. Yeah. What is, if, if people, I'm very science-based and stuff like yeah. that. What is life? Life is making more new cells than cells dying. Every person in the, that exists has cells being created and cells dying. Dying is having more cells dying than being created. Well, yeah. what do you think can stop that more than anything else? Stress. Stress, yeah. Yeah, stress does you do it. You need to it, get that out of your life, man. Yeah. I think and, it's... And so in, turn, so in turn, that'll bring us back... That brings us back to, you know, the YAS method and with 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 the muscular side of stuff. You know, my, my I've got two parents that are chiropractors. Um, dad's very medical oriented kind of side of things mom's very more holistical side my mom owned her own business for 20 odd years but had a physiotherapist in there as well believed in the whole cycle it was muscular and skeletal to mm -hmm. bring the whole balance uh and and so you know i've kind of brought that onto myself as well and i was a personal trainer for a while so same thing would look at imbalances and go okay how do you build strength you got to build you got to build these imbalances first and balance things out before you can actually build onto the strength that's right. Uh, but the the stress side of things, if you're putting too much stress into yourself and you have an injury, it won't heal as fast. No doubt about it. No doubt yeah. about it. And when you talk about stress, we could talk about physical stress. So yeah. if you so if you want to really understand the, the premise of chronic pain, chronic pain began in the late 1980s and early 90s. Go back to the history of mankind. Was there go back to the Greeks, the, the Romans? Was there ever a discussion of chronic pain? Never, never mm. go back to the period of time during the depression in the, the United States. Was there a, never, never. It's only existed since the late 1980s and 90s. Why? The answer is technology. Technology actually brought on the idea of chronic pain. And the reason is because we're talking about technology, automation, the use of phones and computers and all these other things. So the classic example is if you went to the bank in 1970 something and you needed to take money out, you went to a teller. 
right? And the teller would physically give you money or do the trans. Now you go to an ATM, right? Yep. It's so bad now that if you want to change the TV in your house, you don't even get up to turn the channel. You just take the little remote and talk into it. You don't even have to use your thumb anymore. Yep. You just talk it. So basically what's happened is people are using their muscles less. And as a result of that, it's you don't strength training on its own doesn't sustain strength. The use of muscle sustains yeah. strength. And as we started doing less and less, especially into um, prior to the 1980s, it was older people were famous for having chronic pain. Now you could be in, I treat people in their 20s. I had a 20 year old college girl say that she felt like she had a bobblehead. Literally, she could not support the weight of her head. And she's 20. And all you have to do is look at the fact that for her courses, there used to be things called books. But now there are no more books. Everything's on your laptop, right? So this is, a, this is every kid in college, mm -hmm. right? And they don't stay physical, so they strain muscles. So they end up straining a muscle in the book called the piriformis. They end up having sciatica. Well, guess what? When you're having sciatica, you can't sit in a lecture for three hours. No. You can't sit for 10 minutes. Yeah. So that's why they're having that is the general reason for um, for, for chronic pain. And then, of course, became the false um, diagnosis of the MRI finding structural variation. So people are being treated for the wrong tissue when it turns out it's muscle. It's actually they're trying but, to treat it to the structure. And, and if we look, if we look, if we look at that, you know, all this relates to burnout because and all, you know, we're going to, we probably won't talk about burnout, burnout as much, but we're related back to it all the time. If you're in chronic pain, you would, like we talked about before, you will start to get disheartened because sure. you feel like you can't do what you used to. You can't feel, you feel like, you, I mean, I've got a client of mine because I do some police preparation stuff, physical and mental police preparation stuff. One of my clients, um, tweaked her back. Then she ended up rolling her ankle because she does so much activity. She's sure. She's an old, she's not old, but she's in her, uh, she's in her forties. So, you know, she's, she's doing a lot of activity for a 40 year old. Uh, but also at the same time, you know, it started to get to a point because it, the back pain was going on for so long that she started to get very disheartened sure. and very, you know, started to, you know, think I'm never going to be able to get past this. Right. And so that's where that mental side comes in, but you can get there. But if we talk about, um, you know, we talk about the, uh, the muscle in that, um, when we have muscles that are imbalanced in that, then that, you know, tell me if I'm wrong. I'm, I don't have the background in it. You have the professional background in it, but from what I've learned and seen, and even my own body, when we have muscle imbalances and things are not, uh, strengthened or, um, have the correct form in that. Uh, that's when the meniscus can get torn. That's when you right. cause all these other things, the herniated discs, the, the, you know, I, I bruised my, I bruised the bones in my knee because I was running on a treadmill because I didn't have the strength and the treadmill was causing my, right. my knee to, to jumble all over the place because I didn't have the strength. And then that ended up causing the ligament issues. Right. And so when we, when we look at this, as you said, when the muscle pain, when, the, when we get the pain in there, they diagnose the, that, but they don't diagnose what actually caused that. You hit on one of the funniest <laughs> parts. So 
Does anyone really think that if you've been even remotely active and you're over 40, that if you get an MRI, you're not going to find a structural variation? <laughs> does, does anyone I, really? Does it matter if you're in pain or not in pain, whether you're six foot, blonde hair? Does uh, it really matter? I'm, 30, I'm 34, and I'll tell you this right now. You'll find a whole ton of different things if you did a full scan of my body. Sure, right? Right. So we have to recognize that there's something going on with aging that is... The more we're on the earth, the more we're doing activity, the more we seem to find these structural variations. So what's the cause? You just said it. Let's look at the knee a second. The knee has your femur sitting on your tibia, mm -hmm. right? So the design of the joint is that 100% of the femur, the thigh bone, has to touch 100% of the tibia for 100% of the force to be absorbed by 100% of the surface area. Yeah. Let's say we have a muscle imbalance where the quad's too strong a relationship to the hamstring. That's going to shift the femur slightly anteriorly, slightly mm. forward. <clears throat> Suddenly, maybe 80% of the surface of the femur, the thigh bone, is touching the tibia. Well, you still got 100% of the, the, the forces running through it. Well, the body wasn't designed for 80% of the surface to take 100% of the force. Yeah. So that 80% is going to begin to wear. Yeah. And so it starts off where maybe you start scrunching down and deteriorating the meniscus. Eventually, you begin to wear the hyaline cartilage, the white, hard surface at the end of the joint surfaces that are supposed to take the load. And all of a sudden, you have bone exposed. That's the initiation of osteoarthritis. It's mm. a mechanical wearing down of the joint surfaces. So you just hit it. Don't think that the, that the cause is the herniated disc or the arthritis of the meniscal tear you want to kind of think of those as representations of a symptom yeah along with the pain the identification of it should be a red flag that somehow i'm not getting the proper absorption of the forces through my joint for a reason or else this wouldn't happen what's the answer let's look at muscular deficits maybe there's a misalignment of those two joint surfaces. Maybe you've strained the opposite side hip muscles and you're excessively weight bearing on that side. You're taking 70% of your body weight. We should only be taking 50% of yeah. your body weight, right? 50% on either leg. So you're hitting on what is at the core of what I do. Yeah. What so, I basically do is when someone's having a symptom is evaluate them. So let's go into the, and let's go into the, 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 the yes method. How is that different to a normal physio? Okay, that's a good question. So here's the way it works. You typically go to a physiotherapist because you're referred from a, another practitioner, an orthopedist, a rheumatologist, an orthopedist, right? Orthopedic neurologist, rheumatologist, some type of doctor is going to refer you. So you're going to go with a diagnosis from the referring physician. Yeah. So That's just nice. just just for listeners, because oh, we've got about a, a fifty, a pretty much fifty-fifty split. Uh, so in the states, that'll be probably a lot how it is. Uh, in New Zealand, you'll either have a referral uh, by somebody, or you go, you just literally call up and go, "I need an appointment. Oh, okay. I've tweaked, I've tweaked my leg, <laughs> or I've tweaked my back." Or a lot of people use physios more than they use chiros. They use osteo, um, osteos here as well. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to okay. just just so that you know for New Zealand kind of sides of things. But yes, you are, you know, a lot of the times if 
somebody has an injury from somebody else, they'll get referred. You need to go to the physio or you need to go here or there. But, but I would imagine that even the physio there, the education is still based on the premise that they're going to be looking for some structural variation as the cause. And typically, I don't know if you get the MRI first or not, but at least here, usually the MRI is the primary mechanism for the initial diagnosis to be derived. Yeah, gotcha. Not so much here. Not so much okay. here. You'll get a lot of people that are like, you know, you get people that will roll their ankle and they'll go to the physio. Right. And okay. the physio just works on it. Mus works on the muscles around. Well, at least my physio uh, works on the muscles around it and diagnosing that kind of thing. Like I tweaked my but, knee. Okay. Wait, so I let's talk about. That's right. You just hit on a good one. This is a great yeah. example. So let's say that you have recurrent ankle sprains. Yeah. Okay. You just keep every six weeks. You just seem to stupidly seem to. Yeah. You're just clumsy. You just yeah. keep. You just keep turning your ankle, right? So if you go to the typical person. This is the way the system works. Is this, if this is your ankle, they're going to go, oh, this is where your pain is? Let me see if I can establish what the cause is. Okay, so I'm guessing something happened at your ankle, so I'm going to treat your ankle. That is the classic medical mindset. Yeah. Where the pain is is where the cause is. Yeah. That's how it – so they're going to put ice packs on. They'll make you move some marbles with your foot. Maybe you'll do an ankle exercise. Here's what makes me different. I am a four-year-old child. And when something happens, I say, why? Yeah. Why? So I say to myself, why do you keep turning your right ankle? Is, there, is it your ankle just not as strong? Or Well, usually that's not what it is. It turns out in the case of the ankle, if you weight bear and walk with your feet hip width apart, which means that your foot is directly under your hip, I guarantee you a thousand percent of the time you will end up weight bearing directly on the five balls of the feet. Okay. Yeah. But let's say you have a weak glute med muscle, this muscle right here. This is the muscle that determines if you take this foot off the floor, where it's going to go. So you have groin muscles and you have hip muscles on the outside. If the groin muscles, your adductors are stronger than your adductor and you take this off the floor, that, that foot is going to be pulled to the midline. Yeah. That's the way it works. If this is stronger than this, you pick this up. It's coming in because the tone here is greater than there. Yeah. Well, as you bring your foot closer in, what's starting to happen? You're starting to be more wrapped to weight bear on the outside of your foot. Yeah. And suddenly, if it happens enough, you just inverted your ankle. And yeah. I know that's the case because it's not a freak accident. You're doing this every six weeks or every time you play a sport. So in that particular case, based on the YAS method, evaluative technique of determining why it yeah. happens, what is the mechanism? I hate to tell you, but I would strengthen your glute meat. I may never even touch your ankle. Yeah. And that person, and I've had it multiple times, yeah. never sprains their ankle again. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it, I, I love, I love that because I'm a huge why person. I'm a huge why guy. I ask why all the time, you know, why, why do you feel that way? Why is, why is this going on? Why, you know, right. <laughs> because, because That's otherwise. That's the other way to get to the source, right? Yeah, exactly. That's the other way to get to the source. That's why. Exactly. So it's, it's awesome to hear that, you know, I have seen, um, 
some physios here that go to that to that depth. Like I've got my sports physio. He used to play soccer um, mm-hmm. all the time. He used to be the soccer. He's still a soccer physio and stuff like that. So I'll go see him on stuff. But again, it does. It, they they still get a lot of the times they still get focused on that area, not why did that happen in the first place, um, sure. you know, kind of thing. Um, so okay, so. Let me ask you, that kind of leads us into a little bit of, uh, I like to know why people do what they do. And I believe, my, my beliefs from my research and from working with lots of clients is that everybody has a singular underlying why of why they've done everything that they have done in their life. You know, when it comes to the things that they enjoy or have started doing, started and they enjoyed when they started, they've got a why. Mine is to create less pain in others and myself. Uh, look at everything that I've done, it, it kind of leads into that. Mitch, what would you say your why is a why you kind of do what you do and have gotten to where you are and done everything you have done through your life? If you look at my life, it's it's pretty weird. It's It looks like my life has been a continuum from almost like there was a story written mm-hmm. and I'm just following the, the writing. It's really a wild story. So I was the classic 99-pound weakling guy, severe self-esteem problems. Yeah. Would be so anxious that I'd have a nervous breakdown going to walking to school, being fearful that I was going to get beaten up. So from 19 to 26, I try to lift weights. I'm so, my metabolism is so slow it doesn't take. By 26, it takes. My father gave me gave me a great brain and taught me analytical thinking. I I was a logician by the time I was probably nine or ten. I knew Ohm's law of electricity. So I wanted to do weightlifting, and everybody goes to the Joe Weider book or the Arnold Schwarzenegger book. I decided to take a high school physics course and start applying force vectors and physics to weightlifting. It's kind of screwy. It's a little weird. And it gave me the ability over four years to put 40 pounds on. I went from 160 pounds to 200 pounds from 26 to 30. So then, again, it's, it's so what? So that's a guy who does that. And I was in construction. I was a project manager, right? I quit that and I find out about physical therapy and I, I, I'm going to follow what they tell me. But all of a sudden it becomes apparent that it's not structural variations causing pain from what I'm determining from interpreting people's symptoms that it's muscular. And so they need to strengthen. Wait a second. I developed this unbelievable level of biomechanical and scientific based understanding of strength training that it then allows me to treat all these people. Now, I've never really had any sustained physical pain, but the level of mental pain I've had from going back as a child until I found my freedom, you know, becoming free, um, was so strong that it became so personal. It was as if I was feeling the personal physical pain and somehow associated it to my mental pain. And it just drove me so severely to want to do whatever it was going to take to help them be out of pain. So if the person had presented with something I'd never seen before, I would just go home and study and, 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 and do everything in my power to try to figure it out and then come back and say, I came up with this idea. Let's try this and this and this. And I think that's what eventually drove me to want to excel and, and be able to resolve any person that walks into me and wants my help. I always wanted to be the guy who could say, calm down, let's just take our time, let's be able to resolve your problem, and let's get you your life back. And so it really has been this continuum. And 
when I was in my bad mental state, I, I, at times I was saying, I just invested almost 30 years to perfect this thing and to be doing this. And I used to say, I can't believe I gave my life up. What, what kind of, who does this? And then I found my enlightenment and I said, you know, you have resolved the pain of thousands, probably 14, 15,000 people. I mean, you have literally given them them like that. People who wanted to kill themselves, you gave that back to them. How bad is that? How could you say that wasn't worth it? And I started saying to myself, yeah, there's millions of people out there who are suffering from chronic pain, but I'm not the one who did that. That's not my fault. And I can't blame myself for the fact that they're like that. I can get myself out there. And that's why I do the podcast now. I could try to create awareness. And the greatest gift I've been given is the understanding between righteousness and wisdom. Righteousness says I have the path for anyone who wants to be out of pain and I can make it go away. Wisdom is recognizing I can only help those who seek it. I can't force myself on people. Yeah. And when that happened, and that happened maybe a year, year and a half ago, I was free. Yeah. And it just allows me to enjoy and relish every person I work with. We're going to help that person. Yeah. And just pray that the others come along when they come along. And it's been a really big help to me mentally. And, and yeah. I hate to say it, it stopped my burnout. That's <laughs> probably the biggest thing that changed my burnout. I was really, I, it's kind of funny, but I was almost thinking of becoming a pilot. <laughs> it's actually true. I, I've gone very far into it and, yeah. and, and really was considering it. And then certain events just got me sucked back into this and, I'm so so happy. I, I'm I'm curious as as to what those like what those are events are that shifted that change. But first, I want to ask you if you had to you know I've heard it called a mission statement. I've heard it called a vision statement. I call it your why. Um, if you had to make a if you had to say a short statement of why you do what you do every single day and have for your entire life, what would it be? Uh, it's a little emotional, but I think I was chosen for this. I think that. I was given this gift of knowledge that I'm not aware of anybody else who has it. And I think I was chosen because I was willing to stay the course. I was willing to go through a lot of emotional pain and come out on the side and now be enlightened enough to where I have freed myself. And I think that this is going to get very, very big. And I think a lot will be thrown at me. And I think that I needed to go through all the, damaging thing I have so that I could now be so free that I could separate myself as an individual from what I think is going to be happen. And at the end of the day, just be okay with myself, my life and the way I live and, and bringing joy to people. So mm. I really think, I mean, it's, if you really look at everything that's happened to me, it really feels like I've been chosen for this. Mm. So. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. So if we go, if we jump real quick, uh, into, uh, what was it that what was it that, that you did that got you you know the the you know what was it that got that change um from where you were to where you are now um what sparked it the the change uh, so um at the initial phase when i first started doing you know therapy and was in school and coming out um i i think it was the what my father gave me, the childhood inquisitiveness of logic and analysis, wanting to understand why things what are, are what they are. And that's what separated me from everybody else graduating and following in the normal path. 
I think that's what started the process. Um, it, uh, I think my passion, um, my, my belief that I give a little bit of myself to every single person that I work with. I love that idea. Um, whether it's the passion to believe you can overcome this or the science that I can give to allow the person. I, I love that aspect of it. Um, and again, I, the, the overriding thing is, I mean, and people might think I'm crazy. I, I don't know, but I really think I was chosen for this. I mean, I don't know else, how else to explain it. I really mm. do believe that I was, I was chosen, put through a lot of trials and tribulations, and now I'm prepared to allow this onslaught to occur and, and just be good with it and, and just really be happy with where I am and what's going to happen. And, you know, I'm 60 years old. And most people are talking about retirement and they're on the downside of their life. I actually feel I, I'm more excited about life than I ever have been in my entire life. So it's, it's I think that's kind of wonderful. That is awesome. That is that is that is, that is epic. Um, so, uh, Mitch, how do people get in touch with you if they if they want to? We'll put the we'll put um, the links and everything in the in the description below. But uh, if they're listening, how do they get in touch with you? So the easiest way is by email at drmitch at mitchellyas.com. That's D-R-M-I-T-C-H at M-I-T-C-H-E-L-O-Y-A-S-S.com. Or the other really easy thing to do, and the thing I want most people to know is that I live in Jacksonville, Florida. You don't have to come to Jacksonville, Florida to get the OS method. I've been doing teleconferencing sessions before there was Zoom, when there was just Skype. I've been doing this five, six, seven years. So if you want, you could just go to live without pains, it's plural, livewithoutpains.com and um, slash sessions. And you could, there's a calendar uh, scheduler there and you could schedule an appointment for a day and time that's most comfortable for you. Uh, the sessions of videotape, which allows you to be guided properly through the process to make sure you're doing it right. Um, I, I, I think anyone who's in pain from head to toe, if you're really looking to get the right diagnosis, which is what you need, um, then I obviously I do it, but I honestly do believe this is the best path and the quickest way to get the right diagnosis. And if it is muscular, which it is in more than 98% of cases, get the right understanding how to do the right exercises and you will be pain-free and fully functional. Really, we're talking weeks, maybe a few months, but not years. There's nothing like that with this. That is awesome. That is awesome. And we'll put those links in the, in the, in the description down below. Uh, Mitch, what is the last question I have for you? What is your top tip to self-happiness? What is my what? Top tip to self-happiness. This is the biggest one. Be at peace with yourself. Be at peace with your life. Understand what you can control in your life and understand what's out of your control and forget what's out of your control. Stop trying to control things you can't control. You can control. Uh, Claire, my father used to say this. You can't control the money you take in, but you can control the money you put out. That, I mean, you have to think that's as crazy as it is. It's true. So... Everyone wants to make lots of money, but they don't take the time to really think about how not to spend as much, which actually puts you, that's the part you can control, and you could keep yourself in a really comfortable financial position that way, so you don't have the stress of always having to make more money, right? Yep. So if you could understand that concept, the relationships you're in, right? So you know how you feel. You maybe don't fully know how the other person feels. So stop panicking about how they feel. Just control how you feel. Yeah. However, it's going to work out. It's going to work out. It will be what it will be. But as long as you just stay within yourself, 
I, I promise you, if you can find this path, you will be so happy. I live every day. It's over two years now. I have not had an unhappy day. I get up in the morning with my feet off the floor. I go to bed with my feet off the floor. That's how happy I am. So mm. that is my wish for anybody. That is awesome. That is awesome, Mitch. Well, thanks so much, Mitch. Anything you want to add uh, before we wrap up? Uh, nothing. I appreciate the time, Chris, to, to be on the podcast. And um, just I, I hope people get smart and start taking responsibility for their selves in terms of their pain and the attempt to diagnose and treat it and recognize that if something's not working over a period of time, it probably isn't the right thing. So don't, you know, what Einstein said, doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different outcome. That's what's called insanity. So, um, you know, if this sounds like it makes sense, look into it. And and if it makes sense to you and it's logical, come on in, let's get this done and, and let's help you be out of pain and reclaim your life. So. That's, uh, that's awesome, Mitch. Well, thanks so much, Mitch, for being on the for being on the podcast. Uh, as as you guys have heard over the last you know forty um, ish minutes, uh, you know there is a lot of different aspects to burnout. It's not just your mental. It's not just your physical. It is a combination of everything: your emotions, all of it. But if one of them is out of whack or out of balance, um, it can cause burnout even more. So you know, if you are in chronic pain, reach out to reach out to Mitch. Uh, and, and, or find somebody that is, that you, if you want to see somebody face to face, which as Mitch said, you don't necessarily have to, you know, he, he can help you uh, over zoom or over, um, you know, the technologies that we have these days. Uh, but otherwise, you know, take what he said and, and really make sure that it's applied to you. And, and if you have a logical brain like Mitch has, and I have as well, you know, you can almost in a way self-diagnose yourself, but it is always very, it is always smart to get a professional to do it because they have been doing it for a long time. Uh, but also from this episode, we've learned, you know, multiple different things besides just body pain, but emotional pain, you know, mental pain, it all relates to each other. So make sure you're looking after yourself. As we always say, uh, I always say train hard, test easy. I learned that from my law enforcement days. So we want to make sure that that's also not just pushing hard, 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 but it's also training hard in stepping back and taking care of yourself. So as always, if you need any, if you need any assistance or have any questions, send us an email at fighttheburnoutpodcast uh, at gmail.com. And we'll be happy to put you in touch with people, help out however we can. Uh, and um, make sure you go have, have a look at Mitch's website uh, and uh, yeah book a session with him have a look at it uh, and he will he'll he'll help you get out of out of some of that chronic pain if you're in it uh, till next time make sure you like subscribe and we love you all and thanks for listening <laughs>